right, welcome everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the 615 Collector. Today is Friday, November 11th, 2022. My name is Doug Turner. My partner here is Brandon Turner, and we are your host of this podcast that's dedicated to the world of sports and sports cards. Uh, yeah, um, before we jump into the show, um, we like to remind everybody at the top that we don't take sponsorships or get paid by anybody that we talk about on our show, which is very much intentional, so that you can rest assured the information we provide is unbiased and is not financially motivated. Yeah, so today is episode 57. It's the second episode of season two. I guess we're going to keep, do we have to keep track of two counts now? First one for season two and one for all overall. I don't know. Who knows? Let's give a quick rundown of the show and then we'll jump right in because we're going to have to be somewhat quick today. Okay. Somewhat short. All right. So yeah, we're going to review our fantasy football card portfolio. Talk about um, some buying and selling that we did. Rating submission updates. Um, and then always, uh, like always, I should say, um, we'll talk about the best athletes to wear number 57, our show number, um, as we do. Um, we'll get caught up on some hobby news real quick. Not a lot of it. A couple of I guess scandals to touch on um, and then we're gonna have a coach's corner today which we haven't done in a while um, we're gonna give a rundown of a couple sets we think might be overlooked and provide some interesting long-term investment value and they're also just look like they would be fun to collect um, and then we'll top it off with our film study where we're gonna talk some brief MLB NFL and a little bit of NBA so yeah a lot of stuff there but, but really not that much but it actually yeah a lot of that stuff is just kind of short stuff quick hitters <clears throat> that we'll get through fairly quickly unfortunately or fortunately i guess depending on how you look at it <laughs> right what? it's gonna have to be a quick show today because ah. i've got to do some traveling and uh I'm sure most people are very happy about that got a plane plane to catch nice what do you mean what are you talking about <laughs> hey our, we had good good you know one thing i was impressed with we had good listenership in our first you know, since after taking a week off, sometimes you wonder, like, is people gonna, are people going to go, you know, elsewhere and forget about it? But we had actually really good listenership, a good audience for that first episode of season two. So, you know. All right, well, let's, uh, let's see. Let's jump in. We can take a look at our, real quick, at the performance from the past week of our fantasy football portfolio. Because remember, we made a couple changes. We sold out our entire position of Christian McCaffrey. Which, you know, hey, it's only one week, so you can't really make any determinations after one week. But you know, so far, it looks like that wasn't a terrible move. It, the, it's gone up a little bit since we sold out, but only like a couple of bucks. So on the average price, so no big deal there. We also sold out of our A.J. Brown position. That looked like a good move. His card, we had the 2021 Donruss base, and it took a noticeable decline in the past week after we had uh, sold out of it. And then what else do we do? We covered the short position in Mac Jones, and that looked to be a decent move as well. Uh, You know, pretty flat since we did that. Again, this is only one week, so not a lot can be gleaned from that. Then we did a dollar cost average buying into Dak Prescott uh, for an additional card. That turned out to be a good move. We're, We're up on that purchase since we made it. And then we also short sold which just was kind of a, you know, maybe a little bit of a controversial move. Jalen Hurts, because I do like Jalen Hurts. I think, you know, he's my starting quarterback on my fantasy football team. Obviously, the Eagles doing well, still undefeated. But felt like his cards, you know, they had one of those parabolic runs. Card went from four or $500 up to $1,000. It was the 2020 Panini Prism Silver in a PSA 10. And so we got, we sold that short at an average of $975. We did one card short sale at that price. That actually turned out so far, again, only one week, but it's turned out to be a good short because that card has pulled back the, the average of the last three sales 
is now nine hundred and six dollars and and uh, sixty seven cents and and maybe headed lower because the last two sales were in the eight fifty to eight seventy range and so we are actually now up about seven percent on that trade. Remember when you're short selling, you're betting something's going to go down. And for anyone who wants to know how the mechanics on that work, the idea would be I borrow a card from you, right? And now I owe you that card. I sell it in the marketplace. Let's say I sell it for a thousand dollars. I get the cash. Now I have to buy it back at some point, right? So if I can buy it back for eight hundred dollars and give you back the card, I profit $200 and that's that's the mechanics of how short selling works so right now we're up about 70 bucks on that one or 7% give or take same old story though if it wasn't for our short sales we would definitely be down in the portfolio short sales are, are driving the gains we've got big gains in our Joe Burrow short um, a little bit of a gain in that Jalen Hurts and then our, our Josh Allen so far is the only short where we have a loss in but it's not a big one it's single digits um, on a percentage basis on the long side after clearing out Christian McCaffrey and AJ Brown which are two big winners for us we've only got two winners on the long side one is Lamar Jackson we've got his 2018 Don Russ optic base in a PSA 10 we're up 21 percent on that one actually 21 and a half and then the Cortland Sutton now this one though we have his 2018 Panini Prism which is his rookie in a PSA 10 there have not been really any trades on that one, or any sales, I should say, transactions. So we've got, uh, I think there's only been one or two since the start of the season. So got about $11 gain on that one, but it's, it's really tough to judge. Now, the Dak Prescott I talked about, we had owned previously two shares, or shares, I say shares, I'm thinking, shares. you know, stocks, yeah, two cards at a price of $115. This was his 2016 Donruss Optic. It was the base in a PSA 10. We bought one more at $82.67 last week. That card today, the average of the last three sales was $93.33. So up a little bit from that purchase. Still down overall because our average cost is now $104.22. So we're down about 10%, but that was a good dollar cost average. Our big losers, kind of the same old story really. Um, Kind of, this is a little surprising to me, but Cooper Cup, I guess not because the Rams you know, are not doing that great. Uh, Cooper Cup not having certainly the kind of season that he had last year. So that one's down 39%. We're down 36% on CeeDee Lamb. I might have to think about dollar cost averaging in that one for the same reason that we did on, on Dak Prescott because I think Dallas could actually you know, do fairly well. And then Russell Wilson, we're down 54%. Now, the good news is on a couple of these, is they've actually bounced up just a little bit since last time. So still got a big loss in that one. Uh, Devontae Adams was another one. Got a little little bit of a bump back, but we're still down 45%. And then uh, Derek Carr, that one you know, also got a little bit of a bounce back. We were down, I think, 60-plus percent last time. We are now down 44%. So got a little bit of a bounce back on that. But so there you go. There's our and you know I actually think now that I say it, I'm I'm gonna. So last time I said I'm watching Derrick Henry and I am and looking to potentially add his rookie card to the portfolio. Not ready to do that just yet. But I'll tell you what I am gonna do. This is I wasn't planning this, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I'm just looking at this. I'm gonna pull the trigger. We're gonna buy one more card of CD Lamb. Okay. We got seven cards at an average of forty-seven dollars and eighty-six cents. Uh, I'm gonna buy no you know what I'm not even gonna do it. let's buy three well, we're gonna buy three cards the average price for this week is thirty dollars and thirty three cents so I'm gonna buy three cards dollar cost average give us a, around ten and uh, yeah cuz I think that and we've got some cash from the sales that we did last time so there you go that that's what I'm gonna do net net the total portfolio right now is up 
$214.25. Not bad. It was initial about $2,000 investment. So about 10%, give or take, on that investment. And so there you go. So that's the uh, the update on the Fantasy Sports Card portfolio. So there you go. Breaking news. We're going to buy three cards of that CD Lamb. That's the only transaction we're going to make this week. Okay. All right. All right. What do we got All next? All right. Well, we had like two PSA orders, I think. We did. Two, two orders. We have, we have three orders in. Two that were in QA2, and they popped. We did get the grades. They're being shipped back to us, and so we should get those hopefully in the next couple of days. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to – I did take a peek at some of the grades. I'm not going to reveal everything just yet. We'll maybe do that on the next show, I will say. So we had we had some of the 19 – you know, we had the complete set of 1988 Fleer, and that was the one, you know, we had the Dennis Rodman rookie that got a 10. Right. Well, there were several others I sent in. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to – since we're going to – I've got others that are nines and now – Swap the Rodman 10 for a 9 and use that 10 as currency in some trades that we talked about last time. Now going to try to get the, a lot of the key, maybe not the whole set, but the key players in 9. So I went through our complete set, looked at stuff that I thought had a good shot at 9s or better, submitted those to PSA, and those grades popped. And I will say that I think, I forget how many we had. I don't know, it was around 30, give or take, cards in there. And we got a ton of them that got 9s. There were a lot of them that got 9s. So now, someone listening, I think, oh, there's not, there's not a ton of value in those individually. You know, some of them probably anywhere from 20, 30, 40 bucks to a couple of them might be 100, 150 bucks, something like that. Like I think the John Stockton uh, rookie is in there. We got a nine on that. I think that's a $120 card, something like that. But so not a, not a huge amount of value. However, when you package them all together as a complete set, and most of the key cards in the set being PSA 9s, because we got the Pippen in a 9, the Rodman in a 9, now the Stockton in a 9, which are the three big rookies in that set. I think the Jordan, I think I have the Jordan in a 9. Anyway, so when you put that all together, the value of the complete set is, is pretty decent, not bad. Yeah. So anyway, so that's good. Then the other ones we had were a bunch of David Robinson rookies, and then uh, from that same set, I just, these are kind of commodity and expensive cards but they were the uh, same set the to Jordan cards from that same set as the Robinson rookies and so looked at some of those that I thought could get tens nines or tens and um, thought I'd send those in and we did we get it we got some some pop some gems that popped on that one got some tens so looking forward to uh, getting those back again they're not crazy expensive cards but those Jordans in the tens are you know they're probably around 100 150 120 bucks something like that I haven't looked them up uh, in the last day or two so I'm not, I don't recall off the top of my head, but they're somewhere in that vicinity. So got a few of those. So anyway, when we get those back, we'll we'll do a grade reveal, and I'll show some of those on social media as well. And then we did put together two submissions, did two new submissions. One we sent to SGC, one we sent to PSA. The one I did to SGC was the those 1948 exhibits cards. I, I'm, I, I, at first, I was not going to go after the whole set. I now am thinking I might try to go after the whole set because... Uh, I, I talked about this on a couple of previous shows. I had all the kind of the big cards in the set. I had the Babe Ruth, I had the Lou Gehrig, um, I had the uh, was Ty Cobb, and then there was an opportunity to get uh, kind of a lot of them, and so that ha- that had included John McGraw and a few a handful of uh, there were I think ten of them, and so I picked those up, sent those into SGC. And now I'm thinking I might go after, I forget how many are in the total set. It's not a huge number. I think I want to say it's 30 or 40 cards, something like that. So I may now end up, because I probably have half of it already, so I may try to get that whole set. But those went into SGC, so looking forward to getting those back. Those cards look really nice in the SGC slabs. 
Uh, and SDC apparently has really quick turnaround times right now, so that's what I did there. The other one I sent to PSA was a lot of these cards we've shared, stuff that we've gotten, you know, at card shows and elsewhere over the last few months, and that was some of those precious metal gems. So I sent in, we had, I think, a half a dozen of the precious metal gems in from the 2012 Fleer Retro quarterbacks, most of them. I think there was one non-quarterback in their college uniforms. So we had like Joe Namath and Joe Theismann and who else do we have? Dan Fouts, Kenny Stabler, I think Troy, I can't remember Troy, maybe I can't handful of them, Roger Staubach, I think. So anyway, sent those in and added a, I can't remember the other cards I added, but I added a few others to get it to 10 because at 10 cards, you can get that deal they had for I think 15 bucks a card. And so I got to that and sent that in. So we'll see. Um, that's going to probably be a few months before we get that one back. But those were the two submissions that we did there. I'm looking forward to getting those PMGs back. And then what else? Talk a little buying? Um, mail days? Yeah, just one thing, I suppose. Yeah, we're going to do this in the coach's corner, so, so we won't. But, but we did buy some wax. The tops uh, put out, and now actually has available on their website. It's still available, has not sold out. It's the tops Chrome Black. For Star Wars, this is the so they've done Topps Chrome Black in baseball for I don't know how many. It's been several years now. They have not done it in Star Wars, so this is the first time that product is being offered for Star Wars. Anytime you get a first like that inaugural edition of a product, it, 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 I, I like to participate in that to the extent that it makes sense to do so based on where it's priced and all that and the product that it is. This one being Star Wars obviously doesn't get more iconic than Star Wars. And so I decided to pick up a couple of those. So we'll, we'll talk more about that, the way that set is comprised and the cost and all that stuff in, in the coach's corner. All right. Um, well, let's do jersey numbers then. Um, today's number 57. Yep. Um, a lot of NFL players, I think. Yeah, a few of them. And some baseball, too. Not a lot on the others. Uh, but all the NFL players, the, well, not all of these. The first three are Hall of Famers. Ricky Jackson's the first one, linebacker for the Saints. Got nearly 130 career sacks, played 15 seasons. He played his last two years with the 49ers, did win a Super Bowl with them. And I think his first card, I think he was drafted in either 80 or 81, but I think his first card is actually in the 1984 set. So he's got that 1984 tops. That's a kind of iconic set. It's got the rookie cards of Elway and Marino in it. And uh, so I think he's in that one. John McNally's another one, played 14 seasons. And here's what the Hall of Fame site had to say about him. I thought this was kind of interesting. It said, John McNally still had a year of college eligibility remaining when he decided to take a shot at pro football. To protect his eligibility, he needed an alias. This was a common practice in the 1920s. So he and a friend passed a theater where the movie Blood and Sand was playing. And suddenly, McNally exclaimed to his friend, that's it, you'll be sand, I'll be blood. So Johnny Blood it was, and through 14 seasons... Uh, in the NFL, he was known as Johnny Blood. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of interesting. He was a running back, receiver, even played quarterback, played both ways, defense as well, contributed to four championships with Green Bay, 1929, 1930, 31, and 36. So he must, and so who was it? Oh gosh, what was the name of the player we had last week that played for Green Bay? And that's probably on that same team because I think it was at that same time. Um, I don't remember who it was. I don't remember. Now, you know, I couldn't find, other than newer cards, I, you know, I don't know that there were football cards way back then. And I don't think he was in, like, any of the 48 
you know, Bomer, the 50s sets. There might have been one I think I saw in the 70s. Anyway, so you kind of have to do some research if you want to find a card on him. Dwight Stevenson, he was the other one that was a Hall of Famer. We don't talk much about offensive linemen, but that's what he was. He played eight seasons with the Dolphins. He did play in a couple of Super Bowls, did not get a win, though. And his rookie card, I think, is also in the 1984 sets. And then a couple others that I figure I'd mention. Clay Matthews. Now, you, it, pick one, right? Which one? Because he's the, I'll pick the, I think he's the Clay Matthews the third. He's an all-time sack leader for the Packers. His dad also wore number 57, and his dad's rookie card, I think, is in the 1980 sets. This is the this is the Matthews family. The Matthews family is kind of a big like football royalty a little bit because you have you have their dad, uh, who's I think his also name is Clay Clay Senior I guess, and then and he has two sons Clay and Casey. They both had good careers in the NFL, and then uh, his brother Senior Clay Senior's brother was Bruce Matthews, who was a stud offensive lineman and had a, a, a long and successful career. So the Matthews family has got quite the pedigree yeah, for NFL. Seems to happen a lot. And then I had to add this one because it's Homer Alert. Tom Jackson is a linebacker for the Denver Broncos, one of my favorites, and his rookie cards in the 1978 sets. That 1978 top set is very cool. I really like that set, and so I don't think I have that card. I might have it raw in, in really bad condition. I can't recall, but um, but I might that might be one I might have to go over because I I like Tom Jackson. He was a stud linebacker with the Broncos for a long time. And what else? Oh, that's all for football. I that's think. all for football. NBA. NBA. There's one. You want to do that one? Yeah, Hilton Armstrong. Um, I guess he's the only player to ever wear 57 in the NBA. Yeah, which is that's interesting, what the I guess, article I was reading surprising. from. Actually, I think it was from Sports Illustrated was talking about. He is the only player to wear that number. But I'm not even sure he. I think he only wore it actually for a few games with the uh, Golden State Warriors because I don't think he's worn it every season that he played. But his rookie cards in the 2006-2007 sets, really nobody in the WNBA. And then in baseball, a couple of current pitchers, Shane Bieber, who pitches with Cleveland. He's in rookie cards in the 2018 sets. Alex Wood, he was uh, with the Dodgers for a while. Last couple years he's been with the Giants. He's a stud left-handed pitcher. Uh, and his rookie cards are in the 2013 sets. And then going back a little bit, you had Juan Guzman, who's also a pitcher, played for several teams, Toronto, Baltimore, Cincy, I think even Tampa Bay. His rookie card's in 91 sets. Steve Howe was also a pitcher for the Dodgers, played, had stints with the Rangers and the Yankees as well. He's in the 1981 sets for his rookie card. And pitcher heavy here, Francisco Rod, which I guess makes sense for number 57. Francisco Rodriguez was another one, had a long career. Um, kind of a journeyman, really. Played the Angels, the Brewers, the Orioles, the Tigers. Rookie card in the 2000 sets. Uh, Johan Santana, he was a stud. Pitcher for the Twins and the Mets. Rookie card in the 2000 sets. John Smiley is another pitcher. Uh, another kind of journeyman. Played for Pittsburgh, Minnesota, the Reds, Cleveland. Rookie cards in the 1987 sets, right in the heart of the junk wax era. Right in the Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and all of those. And there you go. Those are our baseball. All right. And, there's, and then there's one more in hockey, too. Yeah. We had one hockey, and that was David Perrone. He has uh, – in fact, he's still playing. Uh, he has 400 and, I think, 90 career points, give or take. He does have a Stanley Cup championship to his name. I think that was while he was playing with St. Louis, whereas where he spent the majority of his career. He is now currently with the Detroit Red Wings. 
and his rookie cards in the 2007-2008 sets. All right. There you go. There's our number 57s. Who are you going with? Um, John McNally. John McNally? Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. That, that you know, And, look, I mean, the Matthews family, you could go there. I, I, I can't help myself. I'm going to go home alert and go Tom Jackson. Okay. I like Tom Jackson a lot. He's one of my favorite linebackers for the Broncos. Maybe that's just because played most of his years during my era when I was a kid growing up. And uh, so, anyway. And then most people now might know him because he you know, does uh, – or did. He doesn't do anymore. He used to do an NFL football show with Chris Berman. Anyway, there you go. All right, one vote for John McNally, one vote for, for Tom Jackson. Maybe, maybe a half a vote for the Matthews family. You don't get one and a half votes. All right, one vote each. There you go. All right, um, we'll go ahead and move on to the Hapton Report. All right, well, we'll move through this fairly quickly. Couple, Not a lot of news over the last week or so, but a couple of big announcements came out. One was from PWCC. So they announced a partnership with MBA, which is a kind of like a grading company, an authentication company. Um, they and so they because you'll might see like on some of the like PSA slabs you might see an MBA sticker. Uh, I forget the levels. They have like gold, silver. I think there's one more where they kind of rate the quality of the PSA grade. Anyway, P, uh, PWCC announced a partnership with them where they are going to offer raw card authentication and selling service through PWCC's platform. It's three dollars a card if you sell the card on the PWC platform within 30 days of the authentication or $6 a card if you don't sell it and just store it in the PWCC vault. And then you do get a report that will outline any condition issues of the card. You'll get some high resolution images of the card. I'll tell you what, I think this is a huge announcement from PWCC because there's really nothing like this. There's a couple companies that have tried it and didn't do so great with it. Uh, And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. I suspect there's a chance they could get inundated with cards. And so we'll see if they're able to keep up. You know, how long is it going to take them to authenticate if they were to get a flood of cards in all at once? I don't know how long does it take for them to, you know, provide that report and give you all the high-resolution images and be able to then ultimately get it up onto their selling platform to sell it. But if they've got the capacity to take in, you know, a decent number of cards, I think this could be a big development for the hobby because there is not really anything like this right now that I can think of and and obviously PWCC is a, a big um, name in the hobby and and you know does a lot with their their auction platforms as well as their fixed price platform so this could be a it's a pretty intriguing announcement I'm going to be following that one closely and and may end up sending in several raw cards myself to that one so we'll see all right, and then uh, PSA announced that they have discontinued their relationship with Ludkin Collectibles, which was apparently a group submitter in Europe. Yeah, this was a similar situation. Remember that Mark's card situation we right. reported like probably months ago now where there was a kind of a scandal with the group submitter? Apparently the same kind of thing happened here. The group submitter was requiring payment up front from their clients or their customers. Uh, PSA does not require payment up front for their group submitters, and they ended up apparently spending that money not paying PSA and apparently this is one of the biggest group submitters over in Europe I don't know I'm not familiar but anyway so doesn't have much of an impact here in the US but it was apparently a fairly big deal uh, for folks overseas across the pond as they say so we'll see and I don't you know remember we announced there was some management changes at PSA not sure if any of that had to do with that <laughs> yeah, I don't know but 
And then there were a couple of other scandals. So not going to get into this in a lot of detail, but Nat Turner came under fire a little bit because he had posted on his social media platforms a couple of, or not a couple, there was one Jordan card that he got graded. I think there might have been a second card later that got questioned, but a Jordan card that he got graded and it got by PSA and it got a 10. And the card had, the front of the card had an area of the surface missing. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, nice. uh, and, and so... You know, of course, immediately everyone, you know, a lot of people anyway, not everyone, but a lot of people, you know, speculate, oh, Nat Turner's getting preferential treatment as the, you know, chairman or whatever his official title now is a PSA. Uh, personally, I kind of doubt that's what's Probably going not. on. I think it's more likely that this was just a mistake. I will say the thing that kind of, I guess, struck me is why why would Nat Turner, why did he post that? Like the 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 piece of the card that's missing on the front is obvious in the picture. So he had to have seen that and known that that was the case, I would think. I mean, maybe he just overlooked maybe it, but not. you would think he would have seen it. And because to take a picture of it, it get, it's like I said, it's pretty noticeable. And then you post on social media, you had to have known that you were going to get some backlash from that if, you know, and because obviously it's not a 10 with a, a section of the surface missing. Um, I might just not have noticed it. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe he didn't notice he it, but, it. But it seems like, yeah, or maybe he doesn't do those. Maybe he's got someone else that posts that stuff for Could him. Could be. And he just says, hey, let's post this on social media. I have no idea. But I thought that was kind of interesting. The hobby had a little fun with that one. And then another uh, scandal was, remember those basketball, twenty? I think it was 21-22 Crown Royal basketball hobby boxes. Those are the ones that contain the kabooms. And... The it came out that at least there's speculation. It hasn't been technically confirmed, but the reality of it is when you do the research on it. And and actually, we had a couple of those boxes, so I've gone back and we opened one of those a while back. Remember, that's the one we pulled the Scotty Barnes kaboom out of. Right. So I went and test verified it. Like we kept, I kept those box or that box that we opened. So I was able to go back and validate this, and it was true for the box that we opened. But there's a on the front of the box. There's a uh, what do you call it? Um, it's a sticker, but it's um, oh man, I don't know. I can't. The word escapes me right now. Anyway, the uh, sticker's got a code on it, and apparently there's a. I'm, this is where I wasn't clear because there was talk about that maybe the first few digits of that code would give away whether there's a kaboom inside the box. And then the other thing I heard was, well, maybe it wasn't. There's a range of codes, like there was a known range. And that's the part I wasn't clear on, is if it's just the prefix of, say, the first six, you know, there was letters and numbers, or if it's actually the full code and there's just a range of those codes. But one way or another, the, the idea is that when you see that code, it can tell you whether a kaboom is in the box. The way this came out was a breaker and had a client that was going to break open some of these boxes and and the breaker had a bunch of them and the client was asking to see the boxes and then ultimately was asking for him to put this hologram that was the word i was looking for there it is i knew i would come to me but the hologram sticker was asking for them to put it closer and that and didn't actually and was kind of hiding it because it didn't say hey put the hologram was saying hey can i see the box closer by i think it's cade cunningham who's on the front of the box can i see the shoes i want to see the shoelaces and the laces on the shoes and they thought it was a little odd, but they passed on a couple of boxes and then ultimately said, yeah, that's the one that I want to do right there. And sure enough, they opened a kaboom. And so those breakers started looking mm. into it a little bit and 
found that, yeah, sure enough, there, there was a pattern to that code where if that pattern existed, there were kabooms inside the boxes. And so they, they tested on several, and I guess. And our box had the code. And so I went, yeah, so I went and looked at our box to compare the code. And at least, like I said, at least for the first six digits, I can't speak to the, I can't recall the range off the top of my head. But I went and looked at the box we opened and that code was the same, those first six. And I think it might've been within the range that was talked about. And that was a box we pulled a kaboom out of. And so there's been this, you know, scuttlebutt about that now, but it makes sense, right? Because if Panini's going to say that it's a case hit and you're going to have, let's say four boxes in a case and one of those boxes has to contain a kaboom, you kind of have to have a way to know which, which box has the kaboom, right? Right. I think the, the scandal is that a lot of times you'll see that code inside the box, right? So it's not so that you can't see it before you open it. But then I guess the second piece that's interesting is how did someone, did someone just figure out that code by watching these boxes get opened or did someone tip them off as to what codes to look for in know. order to find that? But yeah, that was kind of interesting. And so that was, uh, got a lot of attention in the hobby this week. And that's really all I have to say about it. It's really more just about the, yeah. the hey, here it is. This is what happened. And, and, and so something to be aware of. So if you are buying Crown Royal boxes, be careful with that. Be aware of that because if you're not getting them from reputable sources, they could be, if they're using that to their advantage, you know, they could be selling boxes that they know do not have a kaboom in it for the price that you would pay, hoping that you might, you know, pull a kaboom. So anyway, that was kind of interesting. But there you go. That's really, that's all the, the hobby news that we had. Did you want to touch on record sales at all? or? Yeah, let's do card ladder record sales. You want to do the first one? Sure. Um, a 2020 National Treasures RPA numbered to 99 Tyrese Maxi PSA 10 sold for 25000 uh, via a private sale. Yeah, Ty- and he's been having a – that was kind of an interesting one, cause, but he's been having a good start to the season, right? That's not very surprising to me at all. Really? Yeah. Kid's an all-star on any other team, I think, maybe even right now. Yeah. So and that that's his true RPA, which is just rookie patch auto out of National Treasures. There's a 1958 Topps Roger Maris in a PSA eight that sold for six thousand six hundred dollars via Robert Edwards auctions. And what else? There was a oh a 1959 Topps Jim Brown. So that Roger Maris that was his rookie. The uh, the Jim Brown that one is his second year, and that was in an SGC eight was the grade. It sold for $665 via eBay. And that's the one I told you. That's the one I want to uh, get my hands on and add to the collection. All right, so 2011 Bowman Chrome Bryce Harper Auto Refractor, number to 500 BGS, 9 on the grade, 10 on the auto, sold for $1,525 via eBay. Yeah, and then there was another National Treasures. This one was in football. The 2018 National Treasures RPA, true RPA of Saquon Barkley, so serial number to 99. It was in a PSA 10. Obviously, he's having a great start to the season here, and it sold for $6,121 and change via Golden Auctions. Then the last one on the list that we've got that we're highlighting anyway was a 2018 Bowman Shohei Otani. It's an autograph card. It's a rookie. It's he's pitching. It was in a PSA 10. It sold for $16,000 via eBay. Like I told you, a lot of his autographs um, have been selling for decent amounts all right well, i think that's it for the halftime report so we can go ahead and do um, our coach's corner
All right, yeah, so we'll, we'll um, in the coach's corner, really I was just going to touch on a couple of sets that were offered by Tops. The first one we mentioned at the top of the show, the Tops Chrome Black Star Wars. This is the first time that set was produced for Star Wars. Each box has one pack with four cards, so it's a pack like you like to say, not a box, but and each box is going to have two base cards, one parallel, and one autograph card. It is still available on Tops' website for, we'll call it $140 a box. It's $139.99. That equates to about $35 a card. So it is a little on the spendy side, especially on a per card basis. But again, this is the first time this set's been produced for Star Wars. And I actually picked up a couple of these boxes. We've got them, they got them yesterday. I have not ripped them yet. I am gonna rip one and probably hold one. See what we get. I'll share whatever we pull on social media so you can follow along. The checklist has 100 base cards in it. And there's some good autos in there because you can pull autos of like Adam Driver, who was, uh, Kylo Ren, Carrie Fisher, who's Leia, uh, Ewan McGregor, who's Obi-Wan, right? Yep. Felicity Jones, Hayden Christensen, which is Darth Vader, Harrison Ford, uh, John Boyega, uh, Nick Nolte, Natalie Portman. Wait, Sam- Hayden Christensen? No, I thought he was just Anakin. Was he yeah, well, Anakin? I don't think he was both. Okay. Yeah, he was just young Anakin, right? Well, and then he, well, but he, but he played him when he became Darth Vader, right? Yeah, the, but like the, the Darth Vader and like the original, I think was somebody. Else. No, you're right. It was somebody else. Obviously, yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, Natalie Portman, Samuel L. Jackson, Carl Weathers, Daisy Ridley. Those are all just examples of some of the autographs that you can pull in there. I think the reason I said Darth Vader is because I think Hayden Christensen's autograph is on a Darth Vader card. Because when I say is, these autos, well, it's, um, it's the characters he they play. Is, I think he plays him in the Mandalorian show. Oh, I think he is in there. There you go. Maybe so that's what it's for. I think he's the voice there. Yeah. There's a bunch of parallels, uh, serial numbered anywhere from 199, which is the base refractor. All, and then you got a green, a blue, a gold, an orange, a magenta, a red, all the way down to the superfractor, which is a one of one. Let's see the autographs. There's a, there's a couple different autograph designs. There's what they call the A design, which has 69 subjects or 69 characters. There's the B design that has 45. And then there's a small checklist for what they call the galactic black and the dark side autographs. And you can probably imagine, you know, the dark side has Darth Vader and Darth Maul and all of those. And the autograph cards do have parallels as well. And just to give you an idea on that 100-card base checklist, it includes the number one card is Darth Vader, Star Wars, A New Hope. Then you've got Obi-Wan. You've got Yoda, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Chewie, R2-D2. You know, I mean, all the ones you would expect, right? C-3PO. They've even got um, uh, Jabba the Hutt. They've got Boba Fett, Darth Maul. The Mandalorian's part of this as well. Count Dooku, Kylo Ren, Rey. I mean, it's really, it's from all the Star Wars movies, so it's not like it's just from the original three. Um, and and even from why, is, why they put Admiral Akbar for the Force Awakens for the Force Awakens? Yeah, why is he for the Force Awakens? He's not a new that's character. A good, that's a good question. I don't know. Well, they and some of these are you know because like they put Obi Wan in the Phantom Menace. Yeah, but like that's like his. F- oh, I guess that's the first, right? Yeah. Well, kind of. But yeah. I feel like there's might be multiple of his though. I feel it, but like Akbar, I feel like he's just kind of. I don't know. He's a smaller role. I feel like yeah. his role, his his iconic line is from like the original That's uh, right. trilogy, right? So, yeah. I don't know. That's just seemed weird to me. Well, you could even pull a card of Jar Jar Binks. You can pull General Grievous. They've got, uh, oh, how do you say the name again? Oh, gosh. What's um, Qui-Gon? Qui-Gon Jinn. Right. Right? Qui-Gon Jinn is uh, how you say Liam Neeson Liam Neeson that's right but you know he's not on the autograph list that was a little disappointing he wasn't on the autograph list 
and then uh, they've got Finn and Poe, and so yeah, so you know, you got the Mandalorian, you got all the Star Wars. There's a lot of anyway. It's a, I think it's a pretty cool set, and like I said, not terribly expensive. It's the first time Topps has issued that for Star Wars, and then I wanted to talk real quickly about these Topps 206 sets. I posted them in social media. Uh, I've done ripped some Star Wars boxes as well as a bunch of baseball. I've gotten they. This is the I think third year that Topps has issued these for baseball. These are, just to give a little background, so these are in the design of the old 1909-11 T206 cards, which are those tobacco 206 cards. They're smaller in size. Uh, the dimensions are like 1.4 inches by 2.6 inches versus a normal card is 2.5 by 3.5. And, you know, remember with those old T206, they've got different backs for the different tobacco companies. Well, when Topps reissues these... Um, which they've done from time to time. I, I forget the exact years. I probably should have done the research, but I feel like they did this in 1990, somewhere in that, and then maybe again in 2000, and then they hadn't reissued them until 2020. And then they've now reissued them each year since. So there's a 2020, there's a 21, and a 22 for baseball. This is the first year they're issuing this for Star Wars. So again, another one of those inaugural um, releases. And they're pretty cool because they've got the same kind of thing. They've got different backs to the cards that you can collect. They have different parallels, image variations, and design variations, things like that. And they're relatively inexpensive. $15 a box. There's one pack in each box. You get 10 cards in each pack. So that comes out to an average of $1.50 per card. So again, not terribly expensive. You can expect eight base cards and two parallels per pack. But I've seen some packs that I've ripped that actually have ended up having 11 cards and have, have had a third parallel although i think that's probably rare and uh, i've already said that's a third consecutive year for baseball but um, they issue these in waves the waves last for about a month or so on tops website and it is an on-demand product so once the time runs out on the wave then they print it and ship out the product to everyone that bought it and what i really like about it is they publish the print run on these so you know exactly how much is produced which is very different from a lot of the sets we see today that a lot of people kind of complain that there might be some overproduction and and that print run is solely based on the boxes that are ordered and yeah so you can kind of then you know based on the number of boxes and the number of cards per box and all of the you know the checklist and all the odds on the parallels you can end up getting a guesstimate for the number of cards that are in existence for each of those that are on the checklist and so I, I kind of like that and I'll mention a couple of them here for a couple of these sets because you'll quickly see that even though these are you know 2022 releases the uh, the scarcity or the rarity of some of these cards is is pretty good um, given the published print runs and so like I said it's it's one of, these are some of the few sets that aren't overproduced now near term these don't get a lot of attention and they're not going to command high dollar value but they're one that I just think, in, you know, long term, like put them away and come back in 20 years. I think it could be really interesting investment value if that's your thing. If you want to look at something for potential long term investment, you know, opportunity. I think these could be could be that. And here's why, because I'll take the um, so let's take Star Wars, an example. So they've had, I think, two waves have been released so far. So in the first wave, a little over 25,000 boxes were produced, 25,102 to be exact. So that means 251,000 total cards. However, there's 50 subjects, 50 characters on the checklist, right? And so if you just did the math on that, it would be like, I don't know, 5,000 cards per 
per car, you know, card or per, per uh, subject on the checklist. However, then you have to factor in all the parallels, right? So there's a blue star border, there's an orange, a green, a yellow, a red, you know, a black one one There's image variations, all these different things. And so, like as an example, I pulled a blue star of uh, Han Solo, and I'm and based on again all the data I just shared with you. It's, there's about 600 of those is the way I calculated, about 600 of those in existence. Um, I also pulled a Luke Skywalker with the Star Wars logo back, and those are supposed to come one in every three, and again, 50 on the checklist, so I'm estimating there's 167 of those. So think about that, 167, that's it. That's all there are of the Luke Skywalker with Star Wars logo back out of that. And then, now if you turn around and let's say get it authenticated and graded and it gets a 10, there'll be fewer than that that, that you know end up, some will get a nine, some will get a 10, you know, whatever. So it's one of those where you think about in today's day and age, right, where there can be, you know, 100,000 Zion Williamson, you know, base rookie cards or whatever. You can buy these boxes for $15 and you're paying, you know, $500 for a box of cards hoping to pull one. You can buy these for $15 a box. You're guaranteed to get a couple of parallels. Those parallels are going to have, you know, you're going to have, you know, published print counts of potentially, you know, 100 to to 500 cards give or take is all that's out there which is you know pretty low pop count and so then you think about you know yeah these things aren't you know maybe and and who knows maybe they never catch on in popularity and maybe there's never any interest and maybe they're always low value i don't know though i mean they're published they're produced by tops right i know they're not widely distributed it's it's online on the website only and it's star wars and it's iconic brand I just think it's one of those where 20 years from now you could look back and be like, holy cow, there's only 100 of these and I have, you know, one of those 100 and there could end up being some value because remember, you're looking at a buck 50 a card is the average cost of these, you know, compare yeah, that. I mean, you're only other. down $15 if it doesn't work out. So exactly, exactly. It's nothing in the long run. So. And now let's go to baseball. So baseball, the 2022 releases, they've gotten four, I think the fifth wave might have just ended today. But we've got published press counts on the first four. So, um, oh, and by the way, on Star Wars, I said Wave One was a, was twenty five thousand boxes. Wave Two dropped a lot, fourteen thousand boxes in Wave Two. So the number of cards is going to be substantially less in baseball. Wave One had eleven thousand three hundred fifty three boxes. Wave Two eighty five hundred, and it's kind of sat there. So Wave Three had eighty five hundred. Wave Four had eighty one hundred. Um, we haven't seen yet because Wave Five just ended today. But so there again, so take wave four with 8,100. Well, 81,000 total cards exist for that set. And now when you get down to some of the, the, um, the parallel backs, like they've got you know, Carolina Brights and Polar Bear and Cycle and Wood Paper Stock and American Beauty and Ty Cobb. And the Ty Cobbs are 101s, which by the way, I pulled one of those in wave two. I pulled a Fernando Tatis Jr. Ty Cobb back 101. Nice. Yeah. I posted on social media today about that. Second time I've pulled a Ty Cobb back 101. I got in the 2020 set, I got a Dave Winfield Ty Cobb 101. I actually got that one graded by PSA. I got a 10. So I was stoked about that. And I've got that in the collection. But yeah, a lot of these, like the cycle backs, I've pulled a number of the cycle backs. There's, there's 25 of those for each of the, um, you know, the players on the checklist. Polar Bear, uh, there's probably, you know, Mm, there's not many. I mean, based on the, the the published print run of Wave Four, I'm guessing there might only be three to five of these for each player, depending on you know we don't know how if they produce the same number for every player, some or more for one player versus another. But oh, the other thing, so they have this wood paper stock, which I think is kind of cool. They say it's limited to 20. There's no more than 20 of these for each player. 
Um, they do not serial number. That's the only thing I don't like about it is they don't stamp the serial number. So they don't say, hey, this is number 15 out of 20. So you, the only way you know that is based on their checklist that they tell you that. Um, but I pulled the Lou Gehrig out of that, mm-hmm. the, wood, the wood stock, uh, wood paper stock Lou Gehrig out of that one. I pulled some others too. I, I've, I have actually got about three or four because I bought some in three of the different waves and I've actually pulled three or four wood wood paper stock, but the Lou Gehrig was probably the biggest one. And then, of course, that... For, now, I was talking about that Fernando Tatis. Oh, to pull that a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I just think these are, you know, these sets are kind of interesting. People talk about how expensive the hobby's gotten. These are very inexpensive boxes to get. And people talk about all the overproduction. Well, these, these sets are not overproduced. And so... I just think it's one of those that it's and they're fun to rip. They're 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 cool cards, cool designs, you know, iconic players, and I, in the case of Star Wars, iconic characters, and so they're just kind of fun. And and anyway, so if it's something that you're interested in, go check those out because, like I said, I, I think there could I think it's one fun just from a collecting experience, but then two, if you're looking at it from an investment standpoint, you know, look like you said, it's low risk, right? Because of how inexpensive these are. But you think about what we're doing today, like people look back at the 90s and they want to collect all these cards from the 90s and what are they going after? They're going after the stuff that has the low pop count, serial number to 100 or less, that type of thing. Well, guess what? 20 years from now, people are going to look back. They're going to look for what is some of that low pop count stuff that maybe was off the beaten path. Some of this stuff I think is going to pop up because they're going to find out, oh my goodness, so there was only you know five of these you know, Lou Gehrig's that with the cycle backs you know, and, and you've got one of those five. It's, it's just something to, like I said, I figured we'd spend a little time on that. We haven't done a lot, but given, given some of the complaints people have had, like I said, about the overproduction and the cost, here's a perfect way to, you know, that where both of those don't exist, and it's fun, and there may be some long-term investment value. That's yeah. it. That's all I got. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for Coach's Corner. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to film study. All right. Well, we don't have a lot on film studying. We're gonna have to be fast because I gotta catch a catch a flight here. But uh, Brady did surpass. We talked about last time he was going to do this, and he did surpass the hundred thousand passing yard mark, including playoffs. And so there you go. He, next closest, like we said last time, was Drew Brees with eighty-five thousand. Then Peyton Manning with just over seventy-nine thousand. So that seems to be a record that's not going to be broke anytime soon. Uh, big, I guess the big news and a couple big news in football. Josh Allen, his injury to his elbow could end up being a little problematic. Haven't seen really impact to his card values. I mean, I think I, it's because I heard he was like day to day. Yeah. So hopefully it's not a big issue for him. The Colts fired their coach and hired Jeff Saturday. That one's going to be that one's that's interesting. I th- isn't he like a college coach? No, he and had well maybe was he? Because I, I, I thought he, he hadn't coached. Said he had never coached pros, but he had coached right. college. Right. Well, he played. So remember, he played. He was the offense. He was the center for the Colts. Uh, Peyton Manning was the quarterback in that team, and, and he was uh, for years and uh, long time Indianapolis Colts stud offensive lineman of theirs. And uh, yeah, well then he should be fine, honestly. Yeah. I mean, like, because you see, I mean, a lot of the um, college coaches who go. And like be a head coach in any any sort of league. Um, I think you saw that with like maybe the Notre Dame coach. Um, and I don't really know anything about him, but I think if you didn't play in the pros, then that can be a really hard adjustment to make without first being an assistant, just because you don't 
have that inside knowledge of how things are kind of run yeah and how those relationships work because it's very different between college and pros with the relationship wise but if you played in the league i don't think you're gonna have the same issue because you kind of understand how that works yeah it's just a matter of figuring it out for your team so even though he has never coached um the pros if he's been a pro i feel like he'll be fine because you know how to coach if you're a college coach, right? And it's just making the adjustment. But you I already think you kind will. of understand how the dynamic it's, works. I think that's right. I think it's going to be hard. I think this season's going to be tough because he's taken over right in the middle of the season with no you know, prior experience at that level. Although, obviously, he played for a long time and he played for that organization. And so, you know, there's – anyway. But, yeah, so we don't need to, to spend a whole lot of time on it. But I do think that's going to be an interesting uh, situation to watch. And don't look now, but Derrick Henry is now the leading rusher in the NFL. And by the way, I talked last time about how I was interested in his cards. Well, I probably should have pulled the trigger and bought one. His his 2016 Panini Prism in a silver, or the silver, I should say, in a PSA 10 is now, the last sale was $337, and that is up. Is that right? No, I'm sorry. The last sale was $300, but that is up from, oh, maybe four or five sales ago, so about a, maybe a week to 10 days ago, it was $200. So it has gone up what that's 50 percent yeah something like that 50 percent return in the last 10 days or so on uh, derrick henry's cards or that card anyway now if i pan out a little bit that card's still down a year ago that card was selling for five to six hundred dollars so still down from where it was a year ago but starting to now that he's the he kind of started off a little slow but then here he comes now and i think that may continue because i think titans uh have got a good team and i don't know we'll see they, they got to get their quarterback situation straightened away yeah well i know he had his third like 200 yard rushing game of his career they play my so. beloved broncos this this week mm-hmm. and um we'll see interesting yeah I, I i hate it when the broncos and the titans play each other just because you know being here in nashville and being denver being my favorite team kind of hate for for pulling one way or the other but i'm i have to pull for denver that's that's who i'm going to be rooting for sorry titans fans but um, but we'll see. Titans probably have a good. I mean, Denver's not been playing well, so I even hope with Mr. Russell pulls it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even so, that's what I'm saying. Even with the quarterback issues, Titans could still win that game. It's gonna. It, it has the potential to be a low-scoring game because both. You know, Denver's defense is ranked number two in the NFL, and Titans have a pretty decent defense as well. Although they've got a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, so we'll see. I feel like every game the Titans have been in has been low-scoring. Yeah. All right. Well, don't have a lot. Do you have anything else you want to touch on in the NFL? No. Yeah, we could go. We, we'll, we'll save some stuff for next time. We know, sorry, everybody, we know we're being intentionally brief with some of this, but let's jump to baseball. So we, since the last time we talked, the World Series was completed. Uh, Houston did win. So for those that, you know, where there was a prediction of, hey, the Phillies, last time the Phillies won, they had an economic recession. Well, there you go. Houston had something to say about it. They won in game six. And Alvarez, we talked about how he's gotten cold. Well, he did get one hit in game six, but it was the hit that mattered. It was the, the three-run home run that, That's uh, all that matters. Yeah, that gave them the four to one, the one win. So um, that was, it was actually cool to see. We'll put together, I don't have it for today's show, but we'll put together some more. We looked last time at Harper and Verlander and, and, uh, and Alvarez cards. I'm also going to look at Jeremy Pena. He's been kind of a, you know, a story. I think some of his card values have gone up a little bit. I wouldn't chase him if you're looking at some of his stuff. Think you're going to have an opportunity to buy some of his stuff probably cheaper um again one thing we've learned over the last 
couple of years. It's it's when someone pops with you know after a big game or, or series or whatever. It's generally not the time to be chasing the cards. You wait and you'll get a better op. Just be patient and and likely get a better opportunity to to buy in if that's something that you want to do. Uh, what else? Off season, I think one of the interesting storylines I still think is going to be Otani. You know, and see what happens with the Angels. Do the Angels get sold? You know, he is going to be coming in. I think this is, if he were to stay with the Angels, it would be the last year of his contract. So I think it's going to be, he's one to watch. You know, there I have seen more in, in some of the recent sets that have come out. There have been more of his cards with autographs on them. So maybe that helps make some of his autograph cards a little less expensive. Because as we mentioned before, a lot of his cards with autos on them tend to be pretty expensive. Um, I still like the Sapphire card that had come down to about $2,000 from maybe four or $5,000, although it has upticked in the last few sales. I think the last sale was in the 2750 range. So it's an expensive card, but it's not a hugely high pop count. I think there's maybe 100 of those in, in a PSA 10. Um, so that's one to watch. And that's really all I've got. Again, we'll have to put together some card stuff and do next time on baseball. Let's jump to the NBA. Okay. You mentioned this last time. Tons of players. However, when you look at the players scoring more, averaging more than 30 points a game, listen to this list. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Luka, Donovan Mitchell, Giannis, Tatum, and SGA. Probably the only one on that list that seems a little surprising to me might be SGA. I mean, not to say he, you know, I mean, he's a stud player too, right? But Pretty big scorer. Um, yeah. But out of that list, I mean, you're talking about... Well, and you have to also look at, like, Okay, how many 40-point games are, like, in this list combined? Like, probably, like, a lot right, right. now, which is, like, these are all the guys who have gotten, like, multiple 40-point games already. Um, so probably will come down. But, yeah, a lot of scoring going on early. I guess, I mean, I mean maybe Why, why is that? Expect... What's your theory on what's causing? Why is that? You think they're more, like, in their midseason form? I mean, maybe Luca, but he could average 30 anyway if he wanted to. Right. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think these guys are just having a good start, having a hot start. I mean, that's that's really all. Um, Durant's having a pretty historic season already. He is, but. and you know, his and Durant's another one of those ones to me whose card values are kind of interesting because there's obviously there was a lot of sort of I don't know, hate's a strong word, but there was a lot of uh, shade, I guess, thrown Durant's way over the last year or so, especially in the off season, and so his card values have come down. Obviously, the market as a whole has come down as well, but Which, so some of his stuff could be interesting. That's that's kind of crap. And if you ever go based off of like what he does off the court, that's crap because like Kevin Durant, out of any player, is like the one guy who's gonna show up like and leave all that at the door. He's just gonna oh. go out there and he's gonna play and well, hoop. That's like, the funny thing because he just loves to play. He doesn't care who he's playing for. Like yeah. at the end of the day, he wants to win. But like if he's gonna. He's not just going to go out there and fun. He's going to go out there and he's going to play every time. He's a, he's a total pro. What I think is so. funny about it is you look at when all, kind of all this drama was happening, and, of course, Kyrie Irving wasn't on the court, and then Simmons wasn't on the court. So at, at one point for several games, it was just – not just Durant, right? Not like there aren't other guys in the team. But Durant kind of had the floor to himself, so to speak, and he absolutely balled out. <laughs> yeah. Like, finally, he could just play basketball without having to worry about – all the drama and all the other junk. Well, he's going had on. Um, 25 points every game so far, which is like the first time since MJ. So that's what I mean by historic. Yeah. Um, every single game so far. 
So he's another one to keep an eye on because, like I said, I was looking at a couple of his different car, his rookie cards um, prior to recording the show. And again, didn't have time to put a lot of information together. So maybe try to do that for next time. But but what I was looking at, a lot, a lot of his stuff had continued to come down in price and to a point where, you know, it might be, it might be kind of interesting, um, especially if you got more of a longer term view toward it because he is one of those guys that I think it's funny to say like is, is Kevin Durant being overlooked I mean he's <laughs> you know what was it just two years ago when Dude, when he be- won the you know title and and then went and won the gold medal with you he was like the king of basketball and now all of a sudden Dude, I mean, people just have really short-term memories when it comes to this stuff. Right. I, I mean, I make the same case about Harden this season. Everybody's like, oh, man, is Harden washed? And, like, you forget, literally, like, a season and a half ago, he was with Brooklyn, and he was getting, like, 30-point triple-doubles still. Yeah. And then he just decided he didn't want to be there anymore. He stopped playing. He got a little out of shape. And, like, everybody's like, he just, like, stopped playing that well. And everybody's like, oh, Harden's washed. Harden's washed. He's too old. And I'm like, do we not... Like, do we not remember what he was literally doing, like, five months ago? Like, you don't lose your skill to age in five months. I'm just like, give me yeah. a break. Yeah. Like, he's fine. Yeah, exactly. He's still good. Well, and the other one that still surprises me is Donovan Mitchell because he continues to just light it up, and Cleveland's doing really well. And the value of his cards, you know, you're not really seeing that translate into any increased value in a lot of his cards. And so it's another one of those to keep your eye on. I think that, um, again, we're not – look, I, we've talked about this all the time, right, in terms of – but it, but it, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at this hobby. You can just collect what you like for the fun of it. You can look at some of it from an investment perspective. A lot of different things there. But uh, but it's also kind of fun sometimes to keep up with some of the current storylines that are happening and have some skin in the game, so to speak. And so, if 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 that's your thing and that's something you'd like to do, Donovan Mitchell certainly is is one to another one to keep an eye on because if his stuff continues to get soft and they continue to play and he continue his team and and, his, and he continues to play the way they have been i would think as we get closer to the playoffs you're going to see the potential for some appreciation in the value of his cards yeah i mean i would, I would absolutely be looking at that um personally i just think donovan mitchell just keeps getting better every year and i think he's in a little bit of a better situation now because yeah, he's Darius still very Garland. young too right i mean what this oh yeah and he's been getting better every year like i mean he's very kind of Dwayne Wade-esque in his game, but I think he's a better shooter, and I, I think he's been working on that. And yeah. so, is this really his tell. what fifth year? He's I know his rookie cards in the twenty seventeen sets. Yeah, he's and this with, is twenty twenty two, so fourth or fifth year, something yep. like that. So he's definitely one, and like especially with the situation, and everything. I think him and Garland mesh really well. So yeah. All right. Anything else you had on the NBA you want to touch on, or should we wrap it up? Um, just that the Utah Jazz are ten and three. I know, <laughs> like they can't. I heard it. I the, we listened to those yeah. sports card nonsense guys, and and Mike over there was talking about that, saying they can't even lose when they're trying to lose. Good for Danny. <laughs> well, yeah, he really had. The, he really did good, huh? Didn't he? Yeah. Well, and also I think this is a good um, kind of coming out party for Lori Markin, and I don't think anybody really thought he was that good. I mean, he was kind of bawling out over the summer. But he's kind of brought that to the NBA. And what's interesting about Utah is they're like top four both offensively and defensively. So it kind of seems like they're legit. But I don't know. We'll see. 
I mean, it's still early, but I mean, you do have, we have, we we still have the, like the most wins so far, I think. 15% of the season already under the belt. So we're what, about a fifth, not close to being a fifth of the way Mm -hmm. through here. So, I mean, at some point it starts to become a trend. A testament to chemistry and team basketball. Yeah. More than stars. I guess. There you go. You need both, but it's a testament for sure. Well, and the West though is loaded because it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, you got Phoenix and Denver and Memphis and Dallas and New Orleans and Golden State, Minnesota, Utah, Portland, all those teams. And we talked about this last year about how that it's going to be. In fact, I think we mentioned how coming into this season, it's going to be you got so many teams that have the potential to be good. That's going to be a, a tough race in the East. A lot of good teams as well, but maybe not quite. A lot quite. of slow starts for teams that should be better. That's right. I mean, especially Philadelphia. Yep. Well, and but Brooklyn and Miami. Out. Miami was the number one seed last year. Yeah, but again, I, I think know. people they, say it was people say it was a quote unquote outlier season. They tend to always overachieve, but at the same time, at, at some point, like, are they really overachieving if they always do? In my right. opinion, no. Right. Um, but they need to get a four. You called that one, but uh, and Milwaukee, Cleveland, Boston, all looking strong. Atlanta and Toronto in there. Brooklyn, Miami, Philly, not quite living up to you know what the uh, expectations might be from those teams but like you said still a lot of season left to play so all right well we need to probably wrap it up because i do have to go so apologize to our listeners that we're trying to we're cutting this a little short maybe not having as much deep dive card content as we might do regularly but uh that is what it is for this week so hope that uh you enjoyed it brandon go ahead and take us out all right, yeah, well, once again, thank you, everybody, for spending some of your time with us. Uh, we do want to hear from you, so please uh, DM us on social media or email us. Email Our email is on our website. Um, if you have questions or ideas for topics for a future show, um, we do love to hear from you, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our website, www.the615collector.com, and subscribe to our email list. Yeah, and please help spread the word about us. Tell a friend about us. Encourage them to listen to the show. Follow us on your favorite podcast, out, podcast outlet, easy for me to say. And that will do it. Show number 57 is in the books. Thanks again, everyone. We will see you all next week, same time, same place, here on the 615 Collector.